With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ain't no place like a cowboy place, ain't no time like a cowboy time. Ain't no way like the cowboy way, have a cowboy kind of day, yeah. Try the new Big Sky Burger at Roy Rogers. It's Smithfield pulled pork, beer battered onion rings, American cheese, and spicy barbecue sauce on a Kaiser bun. Have a cowboy kind of day at a rose in the way you're going wrong. DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed. Fed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Tonight we talk a bit more done deals and ask before the World Cup kicks off. Can we expect more? Eh? No? However, the main event of the show is something a bit different. Having dissected the dark horses last week, this evening we deal with the big sides and England. The teams everyone expects to make the quarterfinals. We won't actually be going through the teams ourselves here in the bunker. Instead, we've assembled a crack team of serious analysts and myself who will rant for three minutes as to why their chosen team will win the World Cup. The most convincing guest will obtain the trippers' backing throughout the tournament. So, let's get ready to rumble! Right, first up is Ryan McTurnan, a.k.a. Ryan McTrippy, and he's going to tell us why South Inger Poulton will win the World Cup. Ryan, your three minutes start now. Okay, when I first received the message uh, that I would have to justify how England would win the World Cup, I kind of shot the bed a little bit, but then I watched the game on Sunday and turned everything around, and I, in fact, prepared something that I think will pretty much affiliate my thoughts with how England are going to win the World Cup. Oh, this looks lovely. Obviously, no one can see this, but... It's a flowchart. I'll scan it, right? So here yeah. we go. Okay. So, I was going to like try and do some kind of tactical analysis of Hodgson, but too much. I think he's too smart for that, and I wouldn't really get it, okay? So, we're going to go straight lines, 4-4-2. Straight lines. What going straight lines? Trains. Trains. Trains are efficient. They're better than buses. No bullshitting on trains. No twists. Straight, well, there is some twists, but they always like remain the same kind of twist. So that's where your wingers come in. Because they twist in like the bends on a train line, okay? Uh, Choo-choo, I drew a little train there. Um, (laughs) You don't really see steam trains anymore, like dinosaurs, Roy the Dinosaur Hodgson. Bit offensive, you know, they say that, you know, this is, but I have to say, dinosaurs are badass. You don't fuck with a dinosaur. So, you know, England are pretty badass from that one. Um, Liverpool are badass. Why are Liverpool badass? Oh, yeah. And I've never seen a dinosaur not win the World Cup. So, you know. Flawless. Yeah. So, <laughs> Liverpool are badass, right? Why are Liverpool badass? Everyone's like, oh, Hodgson, play like Liverpool. So he did, but he didn't like, you know, 4-3-3, none of that shit. Penalties. You got Lambert, Gerrard, Lampard, Rooney. Basically, to have penalties, you got to draw. Like I did. Uh, to draw, you, 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 you got to draw. And they're going to bore teams into submission. They're not really going to attack, but they're going to defend kind of. And the team's just like, can't be arsed. Play for penalties. Up steps Ricky Lambert and Gerrard. England are going to like win every... I predicted that like three points might be enough if uh, Uruguay win the other two games against those other... Whatever. 
So, you know, couple of Zs, sleepy, sleepy. Uh, Hodgson anagram, uh, H Godson. Um, he has the power of nature. He caused that weather storm the other day <laughs> because uh, he was like, Honduras are getting on top of me here. He has the power of nature. I call upon you! <laughs> Thunderstorm, right? Okay. He has the power. We are England or Poulton. Tra la 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 la. Make us dream. He took that too literally because I can't stay fucking awake watching him. Singing. Eurovision. Last time Austria won was 1966 when Wing- England? Yeah, Wingland won the World Cup. <laughs> Wingland. Um, a. I don't know why I put that in. <laughs> UKIP. UKIP. Suarez is a racist. Racists don't deserve anything in this world except stoning. Uh, 2014, the year of the horse in the Chinese calendar. Nothing to do with this, but I think people forget about that, and I don't hear people talking about the animals of the year anymore. Um, Indy, Ka- Indy Kayla. If he can do it, so can Roy Hodgson. <laughs> the um, KFC. Patrick Stewart. His birthday is on July the 13th, the same day as the World Cup final. Same with Talisa. Uh, Hendo was boss. P- Four, last minute penalty. Jared three. is going to score the winner. England going to win the World Cup. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> right. Quality. Well then, fella. Right. Okay. Uh, next up is Marco Lopez. Uh, a.k.a. at footy Mark Hall, and he is going to tell us why his native Portugal can claim the prize. Marco, your three minutes start now. Okay, so why, why could they win? Um, obviously, one of, the, one of the key things is the influence of Ronaldo because he's, um, he's really come to the fore in delivering and qualifying. If you have a look at the, the way that they, they came through the qualifying rounds, he's, he's really become very good in this, in this current reign and, uh, and the Paulo Bento, the, the current Portugal coach. Um, some for some strange reason, even though the, the the team lacks its its superstars from what we remember of uh, you know back in the World Cup in two thousand six, which arguably the best chance they've had, um, they've they've still got a very good international record. You look at the way that they've played against, uh, in particular, Spain in Euro twenty twelve. I'd argue that that uh, out of all the teams that Spain um, played in, in Euro twenty twelve, that that was the team that they struggled most against was Portugal. Um, and the funny thing is with, with Portugal is historically tough groups are better for them. So Euro 2000, Euro 2004, Euro 2008, the World Cup in 2010, Euro 2012, they've always seemed to have the, the, a better run against difficult opposition um, you know, in, in a group. So I think it's because it just puts the team under a lot of pressure to start playing well from the get-go. Um, the other thing is I think tactically, because it's ironic, I don't find this Portugal team very creative. But I think in a way that suits them because I, I think you, you could find them being very defensively solid. They've got a very, very good the, the back four that, that sort of sets up very defensively. They've got uh, a young kid, William Carvalho, who could come in and really dominate as, um, as a, 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 you know, from a defensive point of view. So the, their strategy is going to be very much park the bus, hitting the counter, which isn't, a, isn't very pretty, no. And they're not going to be everyone's favorite team to watch. But they could be quite capable of, of particularly against the stronger teams who they're not expected to do well against, to actually surprise them. So it's anything is possible. Germany have a couple of injuries. You, you've got a dream. You've got to look at it and see if, you know, if, if it was Croatia in 98, Korea in 2002, Uruguay in 2010, why not Portugal in 2014? And maybe, maybe the whole way. You never know. That's quality, Marco. Thanks a million, man. Appreciate that. Thanks for the feedback. <laughs> Good stuff, fella. Right, we have Argentina next. The case will be put by Argentinian Scotsman John Ritchie. Tell us, John, why your adopted nation will win. Um, it's an interesting one because when I initially looked at it, I didn't think they would, and now I've con- convinced myself that they will. Um, the reason why I didn't think they would was because of the, largely their defence and their keeper. Their keeper is a guy called Sergio Romero, and he's probably one you've all heard of. Um, he's had a really dodgy season in League One with Monaco. He's not impressed at all, um, and I think they're going to let him go. Um, Argentina, they've never really been known for good goalkeepers, and it's odd because everywhere else they produce greats of the game. You've got guys like Maradona, Batistuta, even guys like Diego Simeone, who's probably one of the finest defensive midfielders I've ever seen play. But goalkeepers, I can't think of one that I've made a lasting impression. Defensively, they look a little bit unbalanced. I mean, they've got um, Ezequiel Gary, I believe. He's now often Bayern Munich. Marcus Rojo, Pablo Zabaleta, they're really great players, but they've got weak links such as Di Michaelis, Federico Fernandez, and even now lately, Hugo Campanaro. They've all had mixed seasons coupled with really bad individual mistakes. 
for me as a defensive unit to work, you need to kind of rely on all three or four players working in harmony with the keeper as a unit. And for me, it's just a side that they've kind of got badly exposed. And I think one of the managers will probably target in the tournament. And then if you find, you know, factor in, uh, into the manager, you've got a guy called Alejandro Sabella or, or Alex Sabella, and he's someone of a northern legend. He played for like Sheffield United and Leeds. Um, but Sabella, he's done nothing of note in the game. He was a bang average player. Um, he's only managed in the Argentine league, and he looks like Paul fucking Daniels. It is a, you know, there's everything just to like, just did not like about the guy. Um, as soon as I look at him, I think, fuck off, you know, not him on my screen. But then actually, he's, he's not done too bad of a job um, with, with with the team itself. But then, what made me think that he could start winning it was um, if you look at their midfield. It's a mixed bag, but it's packed with quality. You know, they've got Mascarano, Di Maria, Maxi Rodriguez. They've got a guy called Enzo Perez, who I'm really excited about. And they've even got Biglia, who's at Lazio, um, on his day. And I just think that potentially they, they can cause teams problems. They'll keep the ball well. Um, they're tactically very, very clever. And the interesting thing is, is that as Mascarano's gotten older and he's lost a little bit of his pace, not much, but a little... He's still that mean-looking bastard that we all loved. You, know, you all remember Maxi's like fifty-yard sliding tackles and the, his his eyes. You know, he was just a crazy bastard. And for me, he's probably one of the keys in Argentina's uh, potential success. And with working with Busquets, I think he's just enhanced his defensive play even further if that was possible. So he's really the key. I mentioned Enzo Perez. Um, Twenty seconds, John. He's going to go from strength to strength, but the real reason they're going to win um, is probably a brilliant forward line. They've got Aguero, Higuain, Messi, Lavezzi, uh, Palcio. They've got all these players, and these guys can win games out of nothing. Four, um, especially three, Lionel Messi. And now they're two, managing to get the best out of Lionel Messi. One brilliant. Um, and if you can get the best out of Lionel Messi, they can use their yeah. conditions. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, John. Thanks a million, fella. That's great work. <laughs> Love you guys. Thanks, fella. Appreciate it. Right, next up is Anthony Williams, a.k.a. at Going One Loco, and he's going to tell us why Spain and this Spanish team won't be beaten and will win back-to-back World Cups. Anthony. Uh, right, well, mainly because the last person who scored a goal against them was in, in the knockout rounds of a World Cup was Zinedine Zidane. In the knockout rounds of any tournament, sorry. So they've gone... Eight years without conceding in a knockout game, which is fucking scary when you think about it. I think they've conceded six goals overall between Euro 2008 up until now. So they've got by far the best defence there, even if it doesn't look like it on paper. They've got probably the most medals there. They've got a shit ton of players who've just played in the Champions League final. They've got probably the best international midfield of all time. Possibly the best international player of the last 10 years in Iniesta. I don't think anyone's played as well in the tournament as he has over the course of those, the last decade. He's probably like the best player since Sudan on an international level. Uh, their squad has won everything. Man. It's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, even now with all the Barcelona players going out, I mean, Thiago isn't going, but they've got Koke going. They've got Javi Martinez from Bayern going. He's like won a treble last year, and they're going as backups to Iniesta and Xavi and just all the Barcelona. They got Diego Costa going, so they don't have to play that fucking lummox up front. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's you know, they've got Casillas, who's basically spent an entire season watching football, but still come away winning the European Cup. I mean. <laughs> It's faintly ridiculous when you think about how much good shit they've got going on. Uh, I mean, the thing that went wrong at the Confederations Cup was they had to like put in Arbeloa, who obviously wasn't as good as good footballers are. So what have they done? They've got Aspilicueta to go in there instead of him. I mean, the thing is, I, I don't really like watching them. Because I find they've got so many players that like to come towards the ball and it gets really condensed. But you still don't get the ball off them. They still don't concede goals. They'll win every game 1-0 and they'll end up lifting a trophy at the end of it. Or maybe they'll show up in like one game. Like the performance against Italy in the Euros, the first half of that was, I don't remember a better international performance. That was like crazily good in the final of a match. And they just tore, like Italy were probably the most enjoyable team to watch at the Euros, I thought. 
and they just fucking ripped them apart like they were nothing for 45 minutes and then they did what Spain do and they just kind of slowed it down to an absolute snail pace kept the ball for ages and scored two goals at the end just it was like they fucking cuckolded Italy it was horrible well unless you're a Spain fan but, I mean they basically got the rest of the football in the chastity belt at the moment and 15 until- seconds fella what? 15 seconds, wouldn't it? 10 now. <laughs> Five. <laughs> I, I, in summation then, Anthony? Uh, they're probably going to win it again. Well done. <laughs> Thanks, mate. That's great. Okay, the next nation on our list is the Germans. So who better to ask than an Austrian? Here's Alex Gashir, a.k.a. Alex the Great, on why Germany are going to win this World Cup and he's promised to put down the Yogi Lo voodoo doll while he's doing it. Alex. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Thank you very much for that. Um, why they could win it? Well, the worst part is because everybody would love them to win it, except me, I guess. And that's a very horrible thought. Everybody will tell me, see, Alex, now now you have it. It's the best team in the world. And and this love for Germany that's going on worldwide at the moment is by far the weirdest thing going on. <laughs> and they they like even popular in Austria now. There, there was a recent study where like uh, the majority of, of the, 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 the Austrians will support Germany at the World Cup, which is absolutely mad. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, Nobody really knows why this. I think this whole love started, you know, back in 2006 when when they like showed the world how perfect they can like arrange a World Cup and how great they can play, and the buses work and there's no strike, uh, <laughs> and everybody loves it. And, and um, I, th- for me, it would be a horrible thing, but of course they can win it because I mean, for me to to, to be like a little bit serious. The main reason why Germany could win the World Cup is uh, it's a classic reason. It's they a fucking tournament team. They have, they can develop this this uh, thing where they say let's 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 win this. Let's let's keep going. Let's let's beat the first opponent. Let's beat the second one, and then they they on on this absolutely uh, uh, mental. They develop this mental mentality where they say we win everything, and. Uh, even without a strike in this squad, they can score goals suddenly, even in 20 minutes. Uh, so that's that's the main reason why I think there would be uh, I, I would be afraid that they could win it. Uh, and I have this very uh, smart uh, I have discovered this very smart plan by the by the, the German Federation, the DFB. Basically, it's all about Campo Bahia. Have you heard of this? Campo Bahia no. is this hotel complex uh, where they are living now and, and where they're staying for the, at least the group stages. Uh, Campo Bahia, that means um, basically Campo means camp, which is funny <laughs> that Germans and people into a camp, but okay. Um, what could go wrong? <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> but, but, but it's a very smart thing because... Uh, Basically, this whole fucking hotel was finished like minutes before the the German team arrived. And have you ever been to a hotel that that was like brand new? Have you ever been there? I've been to once, yeah. uh, one or two. Nothing works in a fucking hotel. You know, <laughs> it doesn't work. The showers don't work. Toilets don't work. Air condition doesn't work. So, I mean, I read they already got stuck on a ferry on the way to the hotel. Um, <laughs> so basically. What they do is like they they live in three or four houses together in this hotel complex, and uh, the older ones like La Mertesacker Klose, they are like the captains of those houses, and they do this community thing, live together, and they have to fight this new hotel against everything that doesn't work in this new hotel. So somebody says, "Philip, I can't sleep. You know, I'm allergic to the new paint in my room." <laughs> and, and, and Pauli and Schweini get stuck in the elevator and have to, you know, find a way out there and, and nobody can hear them. So they have to work together. And somebody's maybe taking a shit and telling Mertesacker that it doesn't flush. <laughs> Alex, it's really paining me to cut across. So, this is, so together they have to find a solution, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brilliant. When they face the likes of Portugal, they say Ronaldo wouldn't get his arm into mate's toilet. You know, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Wonderful. 
Okay, right. Um, we're now going to move to on go. to Italy. And um, we have a contributor here, actually, in the studio, a guest uh, of uh, Italian extraction, uh, <laughs> Filippino <laughs> Casini. And he's going to have a word with us about Italy. So when you're ready, Phil, three minutes. Okay, three minutes from now. Um, Italy are going to win the World Cup quite simply because they have the best squad in the whole tournament. Um, they're the best defence. Um, they've arguably now got the best midfield with Verratti uh, coming in and really solidifying that midfield. They weren't there in the Europeans. And then up front, they've added Immobile to, to it and they have Insigne as well um, to play alongside him. And they played in a classic, old-fashioned, big man, little man combination and scored 100 million goals against Fluminese last night. Um, why the Italians always win tournament football they'll, they'll draw the opening game with England they'll then get a scaldy draw on the next one and they'll win the next one and go through probably as runners up just about getting through and everyone will be saying oh this Italian team won't, won't do it this time they won't do it this time I tell you they won't do it this time yet they'll win and they'll win and they'll win and all of a sudden they'll be in the semi-finals and then all the Italian fans will go out to the World Cup because they don't go before the semi-finals it's, it's, just, it's against their better nature to go to, to England they don't like to be early for stuff like we, you know, you know we'll be there there well, there, thereabouts, you know what I mean? Um, Divaldi's got Prandelli. Prandelli, in fairness to him, has, has done an incredible job with the Italian side as the manager. He's, he's led them to a, a major European tournament. Um, his performance record in competitive games is excellent. His performance record in friendly games is horrific, as his one-all draw with Luxembourg there at the weekend testifies. And if you think like the English press would be our bad with Hudson over his, his uh, record of draws before they head out to the World Cup, imagine if he drew with Luxembourg or Liechtenstein in the lead-up to the World Cup. They would have been papers to save but anyway the Italians are all in good fettle and good stead um, there's goals in the team solid midfield and then you look at the back four and of all the teams in the World Cup this back four is probably the most solid and the most consistent in terms of being defensively strong the triangle of Buffon Chiellini and Benucci is just is phenomenal like any team would, would want them in the back four um, and even then you look at the, the reserves and Sirigu they have one of the best goal, most underrated goalkeepers in Europe as well um, and they just have quality right the way through you have Barzagli as well to come into that side you've got Abate you've even got Mata who can drop into the back four and fill in as a centre back you look then you've got the imperious uh, Pirlo with his wonder beard um, any man sporting that beard and the looks of a Pacino going into a World Cup in Brazil is going to have a great shout of winning anything and how nice would it be to see Pirlo lift the World Cup at the end of this competition more than anything for the romance of the Cup and the whole lot that's who you want to see and yes Trev it won't be four times I think it'll, it'll be five times should they win this one but anyway just to correct you on that um, I so, didn't say that <laughs> <laughs> you will in the edit <laughs> 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 so uh, to sum up yeah uh, Italy are going to win the World Cup because I said so excellent and there's 33 seconds left and you're I don't going to leave need it that. I don't need to do anything okay about wonderful that. thanks a million for that Phil that was wonderful and you can see how much time you spent on it as well it's great yeah so just when you think you're over right um, mm. Trev you're not getting away with this no so no. Uh, get your panini book out and yeah. you tell us why the host nation nation nation, the nation. <laughs> I'm, I'm stuck with the MHA going on here so, so the home nation will win this World Cup in Brazil Brazil that's quality, um, quality bit of hosting there from you in the middle. Uh, right, it, it, it comes down to some simple things. Previous hosts that have won, 1930 Uruguay, 34 Italy, 66 England, 74 West Germany, 78 Argentina, 98 France, at 6 out of 19 tournaments. Just over 31.5%, almost a third, have been won by major football powers in their own backyard. So history, stats, everything already stacked in Brazil's favour. Now, Next thing you do is you look at the squad. You have a little look at that squad that's going to be trying to do the job. And under Luis Felipe Scolari's uh, guidance, you've got in the defence maybe some of the more stellar performers that you're going to see around the place. Marcelo, Dani Alves, Mike Khan, Maxwell, Thiago Silva, David Luiz. Big names. Paulinho, Ramirez, William, Oscar in, 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 in midfield. And up front, you've got Neymar and Fred and... Hulk and people like that. Now, in Group A, which is going to consist of Cameroon, Croatia, Mexico and themselves, nobody, nobody can see past Brazil walking through that uh, as the winners. Now, if they do win, they play the second place in Group B, which is going to be probably Chile or the Netherlands. And then after that, they're going to play probably, if you go by the predictions, possibly Uruguay, England or Italy, looking likely coming there. So, so it's hard to see past Brazil making a decent path and a nice little um, a nice little glorious exit for one of the teams that we've already mentioned earlier on. They've got an experienced coach. They've got players of quality who are either in or entering their prime. 
They have the considerable advantage of playing on home soil with a passionate crowd who's going to be willing them on. Um, Liverpool have seen lately how vital that can be. They are five times champions of the world's biggest tournament. They are natural showmen, innate performers, born to be on stage, born to be the centre of attention as the cameras start whirling on the greatest show on earth. So... What have we got with Brazil? We've got Big Phil's reassuring avuncular tash. We've got the calm majesty of Thiago Silva. We've got the sideshow Bob tonsorial splendor of David Luiz. We've got the relentless efficiency and shithousing of Ramirez and Oscar. We've got the potential tournament owning of Prince and waiting Neymar. And we've got the muscular magnificence of Hulk's gluteus maximus. It is written. It is Brazil. World champions 2014. Oh, that's quality, Trev. We'll that's, that. that's, that's well done. Well done. Thanks, man. Well done. I like contributing. I enjoy that, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like making sentences. That's the first time you've contributed on here. <laughs> no, they were ideas of mine. I know, that's wonderful. I know, yeah. It's wonderful stuff. Yeah, thanks. So now we decide who's going to win the World Cup on the back of that. And my vote definitely is going for Italy. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I, I do like Alex's uh, the lad stuck in a lift. Uh, Alex's uh, uh, ger- German soap opera was fucking marvelous. I've been having so much Being fun Germany. Th- thinking, of, <laughs> thinking of Paul and Schweiny stuck in a lift. I'm just, yeah. I'm, this is the, the, the fun knocking on the door. Please help us. <laughs> oh, wow. And helping each other with the block toilets. This yeah. is marvellous stuff. Okay, in a, a, to, to well, get, uh, to get a rational back, discussion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. going back, Ryan did make a very good argument as to doing with trained dinosaurs and everything else. With it's hard to argue get, with that. That's very yeah. hard to argue with. It was very, like, very logical yeah, based. Bringing it around, the boredom, the whole lot. Mm. There was more logic in a dinosaur taking a train than actually, <laughs> actually saying like this England team are going to win the World Cup. That yeah. was a hard fucking task. Imagine, that was a tough task. Imagine right? if England did win but the I World can, Cup. But I can see oh. it. I can see his fucking head. <laughs> I can see his moves. I can see and his moves Gerard, lifting the World Cup. Gerard will win that World Cup and he'll be like, I can't believe... I'm fucking winning this with Roy Hodgson as the manager. Yeah. This is actually shit. <laughs> I'm packing it in. Yeah. I'm probably packing it in anyway. But 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 but, but seriously, is it is it no. something you can even consider? It's not. Is it? It's not really. No, is it? Uh, no, definitely no, just no. no. Just no. So England don't look good. And uh, they he, could. They have such a good, talented squad. There. What, what yeah. about what about Johnny Ritchie of Argentina? How do we feel about that? I, do you know what? Right, and, and all rants aside, and the whole lot. When you look at it, they've won. They've beaten Brazil in Brazil, and they've won. I think they won the Copa America in Brazil mm. uh, against Brazil in the final. Yeah. And of all the teams, they 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 did a one with the most recent experience of, of actually beating a Brazilian team with a Brazilian crowd behind them. So, you know, looking at it, and they have Messi. Mm. And if Messi, who's coming back on a, on a long injury layoff, like take everything away and you just have Messi. They are the team that I they're suggested very, I'd like to yeah, do as well. Just by heavy, they're really good. And it, it does get, it's good mid, great attack, good midfield, mm. defence. And Zabaleta. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the keeper like this, Johnson. Moly, from what you've heard so far of the contributors, who are you most swayed by? Well, regarding it, I'd, I'd actually like to see him win the World Cup, strangely enough. Yeah. Probably because there's so many Liverpool players in the team, but... Yeah. I can't see that train getting out of the group stage station, to be honest with you. Yeah. Let alone to the final. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Argentina, yeah, they got Messi, but really, other than that, I don't know if I say Guerrero and so on, but that, that's about it. I, I don't think they're going to win it. But of all the teams mentioned, I think maybe Germany have the, the best chance of winning it. There's some fantastic young players coming through. You know, there's a great Mark team units there. So, yeah, I, my pick for the World Cup is going to be Germany. Yeah, yeah. Alex, you were kind of forced into having to, to, to advocate <laughs> Germany. And that was, that was that was, as we know, that's, that's an example of the cruel, twisted mind of Philip Casey. Yeah. So wh- who would you tend to go towards if you had a choice in terms of... My, my money's on Italy. Your money's on Italy? Okay. Yeah. Is, basically, basically um, I think they they the only team that, like... Uh, a good package from from the back to the front. They have like some terrific, terrific attacking possibilities, and they like a solid defense since the invention of the pizza. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, Italy, I think, uh, especially with Prandelli, who like uh, changed a lot since he took over yeah. in two thousand. Uh, what was two years ago? Two thousand twelve. <laughs> um, in my opinion. They will do it. 
Yeah, hard to argue with that. Right, I'm going to just ask the two gents. I know I've asked you, Phil, and I know you, you, you jokingly said Italy. Would you seriously say Italy as well? No, I, I, I look. I, I think bizarrely, I think this World Cup for 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 boiling down to quite a small number of teams that can win it. I think it'll be a straight shootout in the end between um, Brazil and Argentina. Yeah. And that's just the way I think it falls. Now, depending on how the groups run and everything like that, I do think it'll end up as Brazil and Argentina. Mm. A passionate Brazil crowd behind Brazil will lift their game again another 10, 15%. And I I don't even think... um, Phil Scalari has the like the best squad that he could have available or the best selection of players, but you know they're going to be driven on. And I think ultimately that weight of expectation will be the downfall of them in the final. Right, you think, think they get fa- that far and then sort of capitulate because think, of the, I, the pressure? I think the pressure is going to be absolutely massive okay. if they get to the final. Okay, and the expectation that they win it in front of their home crowd. Mm. Um, might just do them in the end. Well, I actually, I would have gone for Germany or Argentina ahead of this, thinking about this. And then I convinced myself there when I was talking. Because I heard, it, it was just lovely hearing my own, my own opinion. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm gone off on one here thinking about myself. Uh, Ryan, uh, if you had to choose one, apart from Hodges England, who would you go for? Um, before, uh, before tonight, I was pretty sure it would be uh, Germany. It would be a repeat of the uh, 2002 final. I thought it was going to be Germany, Brazil, but um, Phil put a very good case for Italy forward. Um, Brazil, I can still see them winning it, but they're so they're they're not really Brazil anymore. You know, mm. they're very uh, like I've watched them a few times, and I've I've been very bored, unfortunately, watching. They yeah. might win four 0 but they're very they're ironically gone quite German themselves. They'll win the match. They're hard to break down, but they'll still get a few goals. But um, Spain, like no one's really mentioned Spain, but I don't know. I think they'd pick badly in the squad, to be honest. Do you? I, they've, yeah, yeah, haven't got enough pace, in my opinion. Not that you know, pace is everything, um, but they don't really have enough, op- like a genuine option off the bench. Like Navas, like he doesn't really fit that Spain mold, but he'll still add something different. But Phil has really swayed me with Italy now, to be honest. Okay, he's really given me a good. I I might back with. Uh, yeah, I think I will stick with England. <laughs> do you no, know what that's, that's the perfect way to end that ok let's move on then to our next little sequence which is our chat about transfers um, and we'll speak about deals that are already done or look like being virtually done um, it's incredibly on Liverpool like in some ways uh, we've got Emery Khan the deal is done we seem to have played a blinder there in terms of value for money and execution would that be fair to say Molly? But to be honest, I, I don't really know much about this Emery Ken guy. I didn't hear about him till about a month ago. Yeah. But uh, going by YouTube, and of course, ever since I looked up Mark Gonzalez on YouTube, I don't trust that anymore. <laughs> yeah. he, he definitely looks like a decent player. And I know I know Phil Reeves and that's who loves this guy. But from what I've seen of him, you know, he can play a few positions between defensive midfielder, central midfield, left back, even centre back. And that is something that Brendan Rodgers wants in his players. He wants them to be able to play a few positions. So the, he's only 20, which is, you know, that means he's plenty of room to, to improve still. So all in all, it looks like a fantastic signing. Yeah. The only slight issue I'd have with him is, uh, I know we've worked with his agent before, bringing in Nori Sahin and uh, Sami Yesel. But both of these guys are now out of the club. Sahin went back to Dortmund and Yesel joined Travis Bonsport today. So, you know, hopefully this will be third time lucky, really. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's, that, they're all very fair points. Uh, Alex, given your now established love of all things Teutonic, um, what do you make of this uh, Emery Khan chap and are you excited about the, the, the transfer? I'm a bit 50-50 on, on Emery Khan because um, I think he's a very talented player. I haven't seen too much uh, of, of him this season because I didn't watch too much Bayer Leverkusen football. Um my problem with him is, my main problem would be that he didn't make it at Bayern Munich, obviously, which is, of course, unfair because that's a huge squad and a lot of competition in it. But Bayern Munich did not like uh, uh, loan him out to Bayer Leverkusen. They, uh, they sold him to them and had a, a buyback op- option, but they, they normally, when they like think a player really has it, my idea would be they, they usually... Uh, like loaned it to another club, looked like how they developed, you know, they did it with Alaba, with Lam, um, 
with Crows. Uh, uh, so that would be a little bit of concern that Bayern didn't really believe in him. And somebody on Twitter pointed out to me, Barry White, who's like running, he's working for the Bundesliga uh, account in the English one on Twitter. He said that he had a lot, uh, had many yellow cards in last season for Bayer Leverkusen. And I looked it up and it's like he had nine, nine yellow cards in the Bundesliga, had four in the Champions League and one in the cup and even had like a yellow red one in the in the Champions League. Um, so that's like 14 yellow cards and one uh, red, second yellow uh, in total, which could be a little bit wor- worrying because... Uh, the football Bayer Leverkusen played and the pace in the, in the in the German Bundesliga is a little bit slower than in the Premier League. So I guess uh, that he will take some time to fit in. I think he is a promising player because he's very versatile, can play different positions. Um, my guess would be that he is like maybe uh, a possible replacement for Lucas, but it won't be like Lucas will be away immediately after the summer. Maybe they want to give Lucas time to recover properly and then uh, take a look who will be like the, the defensive midfielder in the squad. Fair play, fair play. Some very interesting points there. Touching on another point then that Alex made in terms of mentioning Lucas, uh, Ryan, is it fair to say that this young man's ar- arrival could actually be the death knell for Lucas Leva, given that Can or Chan is a central midfielder, a natural DM, but he's also multi-capable. There's... Um there's been a lot of comparisons um, drawn between Emery Khan or Chan and Lucas lately. Um, statistically, I think they've both weighed up in around the same. I think Lucas might have edged it in a few areas, but I mean, uh, people are touching on the point that you know Chan has been booked a lot. I mean, he's got roughly the same amount of bookings as Lucas, but he's seven years younger than him. So you can, in some way, try and coach that out of him. That kind of irrational lunge forward. I, I have seen a little bit of him, and then obviously. Uh, you know, whoever is opinion that I might, you know, say respect highly, Phil, on YouTube. Um, <laughs> he looks, you know, just some of his anticipation for tackles, I thought, looked quite clean. And he, he does, he, he waits, which I don't think Lucas does. Lucas doesn't wait. He, he does kind of dive in there too quickly. But I do think that it could spell the end for Lucas in some ways. I mean, the only way Lucas works in our team uh, is to play where Gerard plays. Uh, you can't have him on the same pitch at the same time. Even if you've pushed Lucas ahead, we've seen that it, it doesn't work. Um, Lucas, uh, you know, he started in five of our six defeats, and he was a sub in the in the sixth. He started in four of our five draws, I think, mm. and he was a sub in the fifth or something like that. So I, I do think that it's time for him to move on because he's he's he, one. He's not mobile enough. Um, he can't go past his player. Even when you drop him very far deep and, and don't expect him to go past his player, it still doesn't really, you know, he's drawn fouls in when he shouldn't be. Hmm. Um, I think Chan will eventually probably play there, yes, you know, taking over Gerard, but even until then, he can play in three of the midfield options that we see in the diamond and in the 4 3 3. I wrote a piece there a while ago how I think that the midfield will end up pretty much having a job to do in nearly every position that they're, you know, if you put Chan as the deepest, Henderson ahead of him and Coutinho they'll all take turns in one dropping back two going forward I think eventually that's what we will kind of see like I'm not going to say total football because I'll sound like a wanker so <laughs> I'll just say that I'll just, wants say, that I'll just say that you know we're not going to have I think eventually what Rogers was aiming for in the front and in the midfield is where you know you put them in a position and you say right well don't stay there yeah. I'm yeah. not I don't want to have to pick a player because he has to play there yeah. as good as Stevie is for us and as good as his passing is in some ways um, you know he has to stay there, and I think eventually, when when Stevie, you know, sadly starts to remove himself from the team, um, we'll have a midfield where it, it's not like you know, okay, I have to stay here because I can't run ten yards. Mm. You know, I can't make this tackle here. It'll just eventually be this kind of you know fluidity, fluid machine, yeah. in my opinion. So yeah. I'm really, really excited for him because you know he's only twenty. As you know, people have said Rogers can mold him now into the the ideal midfielder he wants. And I really, really, really can't wait to see him playing for us now, to be honest. Excellent. Well, another man that's being spoken about now as if it's almost a done deal, and I've been out of the loop um, slowly dying for There's, a, there's an announcement tomorrow again. There's an announcement tomorrow again. Wonderful. Let him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you about him, Molly. Um, uh, becoming known as the love child of Jabby Alonso and, and Stephen Gerrard there um, on Twitter. Um, 
we talked about him last week in a bit of detail, but <laughs> one night in Istanbul. Do, 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 do we look like we're going to have at last uh, a, a decent quality left fullback? Yeah, and plus, I didn't realize how young this guy is. I think he's only something like six months older than John Flanagan. Mm. Like that, that, that's, that's absolutely amazing how young this guy is and what he's already achieved in in football. Mm. And I've seen him play a few times for Seville, and he's definitely a Rogers type signing. He likes to attack pretty much from, from the left a lot. But he's also quite good defensively. He stands his ground a lot. He doesn't jump into tattles that easily. It, he wins the ball quite well. He doesn't get many bookings. He doesn't commit that many fouls. So he certainly looks like a, a player for the future. And on top of that, you know, Real Madrid wanted him. Chelsea wanted him. Man United wanted him. So for that fact alone, the fact that we got him, it's, it's definitely exciting to have this guy on board. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to be in those conversations again, all right, for sure. Uh, Alex, is he a man that you're aware of uh, very much, or uh, what, what would be your opinion on, on his, uh, what looks like imminent arrival? Um, I don't really know much about him. I saw him, obviously, in the Europa League in, like, two or three games. Mm. I don't really follow the Spanish League very often. Sure. So uh, I can't really comment on him. Um, I'm Basically, I'm happy that... that we get a new. Is, is this like really happening? I mean, is this for sure? Because my last information was that it's maybe hold up. That was like Twitter rumor. But if this is like really happening, then we well, get a, If I coach Costa, Alex, basically, from, from what I heard, the, the fee was actually agreed with Seville last Thursday, but they held off on completeness because they were dealing with Barcelona with the, the whole Rakitic deal. That they wanted to move Rakitic on first. I think they're getting a player from Barcelona in exchange for that as well. So, by the time, I suppose, listeners have listened to this pod, he's either signed, and we look great, or he hasn't he's, signed. He's, or else he's signing in 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we can take a bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There'll be some quick uh, editing done. <laughs> he's signing no, in 48 hours. <laughs> I'm just happy to be, we get a left back in. Yeah. I think uh, I think it was a good season regarding left back, but but still it's it's good to to get some. I mean, the big question is what what happens to 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 um, I forgot his name, uh, Jose Enrique. Enrique. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, I think if if somebody's hap- uh, something is happening on 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 the fullback situation, then then we can only like profit from it. So uh, I'm. Up for it. I hope it, it works. If the guys are like that good, like everybody says, and he's young and he's an attacking fullback, then uh, he'll definitely fit, in my opinion. But you never know. Just on 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 it, like again, it comes back to about Jose Enrique and Moreno. We got to keep in mind that we have Champions League football next season, <coughs> and you're going to need as many yeah. um, very capable Premiership footballers. And the one thing I know, Enrique is not everyone's cup of tea, but he he's more than capable of playing against the lesser teams in, in the actual league. Um, and if you've got Moreno, who's a young kid who's coming in from Spain and is adapting to a new league or whatever, he'll probably be more comfortable in playing in the actual Champions League than yeah, saying, look, if Enrique can come back and do what he's doing, he's an agreeably mad bastard and, and, and he does a job. I'm afraid and Phil is going to say he'll learn something off Jose and I was like, what can he teach him? Instagramming, yeah. taking his top off. Yeah. <laughs> He learned. He learned. He learned topless photos. But. but in all seriousness, like if 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 Enrique and Moreno were your two left folds going into next season, we'd be stronger at left fold than we have been in a long, in a long, long time. time. And I also think it would be to John Flanagan's betterment if he went to his natural side and was able to develop his attacking game on his more natural side than having to always cut in on, on his right foot because he is predominantly right-footed. And given how good of a job that John Flanagan did. And like, I, I hate bashing Glenn Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've known. But, but in, in reality, like, you look at Flanagan and you look at Johnson, and I, I, I would have more faith in John Flanagan playing a match um, if we have Moreno playing because he's going to bomb on so much down the mm. left-hand side. Yeah, yeah, that you can sort of alternate... You, you won't necessarily want to play with two bombing on fullbacks in some games. You want one to hold the line maybe a bit more defensively and be able to get back in quick to avoid being caught in, in transition, really, uh, especially with, with other things that's going on. Wisdom, I know, I know we're talking about Wisdom coming back, but there's also talk that Wisdom might go back out and loan again 
for another season with a premiership side um, to try to develop on and, and if you look at it logically they're saying they're going to run Glenn Johnson's contract down as opposed to offering him a new deal that maybe gives wisdom another season <coughs> to, to develop fully with a, with a full set with of new games with him yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Ryan Suso uh, is rumoured to be in talks with Porto now should we take a leaf out of what we mentioned this earlier on Munich and Barca who tend to sell with a low buyback clause uh, given that he's in the last year of his contract um, very talented player obviously um, I mean a lot of people have cited his lack of mobility but I mean I don't, I don't know if it's that much of an issue like you know he's, he's very quick feet he's a good passer um, probably yeah it probably doesn't suit at this stage so if he, if he does you know what people have doubted Rodgers and the committee you know uh, quote unquote uh, that their transfer incomings but I think their outgoings have been pretty fucking great hmm. I can't really not one would I say was a bad move in my opinion. Hmm. Even the loan moves where he said, oh, you know, if we only had Barini coming off the bench or if we only had whoever coming off the bench, like for all we know, we could have had them coming off the bench and lose all those games, we'll finish fifth. Like, you know, yeah. football doesn't work like that, unfortunately, but obviously logically it doesn't really work like that at all. But um, I think if he goes, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. Put in a buyback clause, yeah, if he, if he develops his game, I mean, he, he could easily, well, not easily, but... He plays that number eight role for the Spain under twenties mm. and the under twenty ones. He plays in beside a midfielder, mm. uh, deeper. And I think you know he could be very, he could be good there. I mean, if, if Joe like he's no no bigger, no smaller than Joe Allen really, like, um, or Phil Coutinho. So, look, I think if he goes, you know, he's had a he had a good few months in Spain. Um, there's question marks over his uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for attitude. Um, so I think all in all if he goes I'm not going to cry about it and I think uh, buyback clause yeah why not if, if it's worth the punt but I don't know Porto will probably sell him for 70 million or something in 3-4 years Alex where do you stand the whole Suso debate? It's a difficult one because basically because of the, the season and how great it was we we made I totally forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people do. But uh, if you remember the season before and, and the talent he showed in some games, uh, you think, uh, would it really make sense to sell him now? Wouldn't it make more sense to give him like another year on loan? Um, or maybe even like only half a year and then try to, to, to get, him in, uh, get, him, get him in? It's, it's difficult because... Um, Basically, uh, only because a player is like you know talented and and we think it's 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 a good attacking player uh, doesn't necessarily mean he he fits the system and fits the the way the other players play and maybe we like already have too many strong young players and if we want to get somebody in on that position we maybe need a little bit more experience so I don't know if if the door is already really closed. As far as I know, that's a rumor as well still. Um, but um, it's a tough one. I, I can't say. I I wouldn't mind him having him uh, in the squad next season, mm. giving him some games at, at least, you know, in the in the cup games, uh, but and bring him maybe on in, in some games. But I, I I can't really say if you like uh, is somebody to bring on in the seventieth minute now. If he's is the player now that we need to to really change a game. Mm. Phil? Um, yeah, the, the the reason why I think Suso <coughs> might go is probably the emergence of Teixeira in Rogers' eyes over the course of the season. Um, the one thing I noticed about Teixeira, even in the game that he came in against Fulham, the one thing he has over Suso is he has pace. And coming back to what you say, if, if you're going to play a player in, that can play in the eight like Coutinho, the one thing that, that Teixeira has more than, than Suso is pace. He has, he has the technical ability. He has goals in his locker as, as, as he's done over the course of the season with the 21s and before um, when he was uh, coming through the, the Sporting Lisbon ranks. Um, and you just wonder, just uh, like again, when Rodgers has looked at him, he's probably looked at and said, I've got two players that are very similar level, um, very similar age group. Um, I know one has gone out to Spain and done it, but in terms of the the pace he, he can play with and the pace that I want the teams to play with, he actually isn't as quick as maybe I'd like to see in the, in the midfielders that I have. Um, and you know what, for what I'm going to use Suso over the course of the season, um, I can actually use Teixeira in, in, in that position. And if I sell Suso f- and get the money in, 
it means I've got more money in the transfer kitty to maybe to bring in the likes of somebody like an Alexis Sanchez for down the line if, if they become available that, or or pay an extra three million for whoever yeah. I want to get in if, if, if that's what it's going to cost me again looking at the Moreno deal if we wanted to pay 15 million and actually we're going to pay say 20 million for him instead mm-hmm. right maybe those those the, the millions that we get for Suzo on, mm-hmm. on a small deal with a buyback clause in it means that we can actually do it the other thing we've got to keep in mind is Suzo's coming into the last season of his contract so if we don't if he doesn't renew with us which his agent has said he has no intentions of renewing with us because he doesn't think he's going to get enough game time then we have no value come the end of next season well, what about that idea of, of selling with a low buyback clause yeah I, I, look I'm all on for it I, again young players can develop at different at, at different paces and if he goes out and has two phenomenal se- seasons wherever it is whether it's Porto whether it's Valencia or somewhere like similar um, and then we have an option to buy him back for 6-7 million quid mm. you know we could save ourselves maybe 15 million trying to replace him <laughs> absolutely you know, again I'm just going to keep you on and we'll go to Moly with this uh, thought yeah. you're never uh, uh, backwards about coming forwards and being definitive when you come to talk about uh, football in general now yeah. where do you stand on this idea of the World Cup is almost up and running when it tends to get up and running deals tend to go into close down do they not and an awful lot of the players that we're looking at certainly are present at that World Cup does that mean that once the balls start getting kicked in anger we can just take our handy and relax for the, the, the three or four weeks and prepare for the next little onslaught well again traditionally you don't see many players that are at a World Cup completing deals while they're at the World Cup because they're in camp mm. um, and teams don't like to release them to do medicals because it takes their focus away from the games and the games come at such quick succession over such a small period of time if you tried to close a deal and there's only three days between your first and your second game you won't want to release the player for that um, and so for me I see as soon as I, I, I thought if we didn't get a deal closed for a player that's at the World Cup by the weekend gone then we weren't going to get a deal closed on on on, on the likes of Lalana or Shakiri or whoever whoever we're being rumoured with, um, and for that reason, I don't see a sign in any player that's at the World Cup and now until that team is eliminated from the World Cup. Hmm. Molly, is that fair enough that the the the, the rush that's on now and we seem to be um, in a hurry to do business is because an awful lot of the guys that we're looking at are going to be involved in this tournament? Yeah, I, I say that point is quite true, Trevor, and not only that. We're probably worried that if we wait until after the World Cup, you know, players like Lilana or Shakiri, they could absolutely shine at this World Cup and mm. that means their price goes up. <coughs> that means you have to pay more after the World Cup. But I don't think our, our business will end while the World Cup is on. I think we've targeted these players who are due to go to the World Cup and we're looking to pick them up before they go because of that reason, just so that the value won't go up. But I think now that the World Cup kicks off, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, a couple of names came out of players that are not going to the World Cup that we're looking to pick up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I think we should wrap it up at that stage and we move on to the final little sequence of our show, which is listeners' questions. And our first one is from Connor, um, who wonders, if Brendan could run onto a pitch during a match <laughs> and kick any player, who do you think it would be? Now, I know I have a Can you run into this. the director's box and kick a fucking sitting England man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So who do you think, Phil, if you had to pick one, who do you think he's going to go? Who do you think Brendan's secretly Who would I has? want? Or no, no, no. Who would Brendan kick? It's not, it's not about your desires. Ooh. Who do you think there's a little bit of gripe going on there, a little bit of unspoken niggle, perhaps? <sighs> Gilfie Sigurdsson. Remember he took the money instead of co- Remember? Very good. Yeah. Very good. Any other shouts on the line there from Molly or Alex? I think uh, Pepperina. I think he wouldn't mind giving Pepe an kicking, especially after that goodbye letter and now he seems to be stuck with him with nowhere to send him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's... <laughs> I think he might be onto something there. Next one's from Lucy and Lucy asks, what's the best John Travolta film? She says she can't decide between Face Off, Pulp Fiction, or Grease. I don't think necessarily any of them would be in my uh, in my top shouts for John Travolta films. Alex, if I had to put you on the spot, what would you pick? Uh, that's uh, for me. That's Blow Out by Brian De Palma. Yeah, it's pretty brilliant, isn't it? It's pretty brilliant. Um, I love the movie. Ryan, what would you pick if you had to pick a John Travolta movie? Greece, yeah. You're going with Greece. Yeah, I mean, can you justify that from the no, Because I don't understand. Sorry, fuck that Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I, was, I was just oh, looking, sorry, totally I'm looking at the disgust there. there with you. <laughs> um, Face Off is a pretty good movie. In all okay. fairness, I do like Face Off, but yeah. um, <clears throat> Saturday Night Fever for me, it's what, what, dark. What, 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 oh, the darkness. Well, you know, well, it's like you know, it's not the dance. It's just in the dark. Happy, you know, it's like you know, you know, BGS. You know, you know. Oh, that shit Whoa, I, you, um, sing off. You heard it here first. That was just gorgeous. Girl, I know you very well. Yeah. Oh. Oh. 
Ryan Tiernan's opening a whole new door. I'm not going to spoil it, but you've got really fucking dark shit at the end of that film. And then his brother's a priest, like... Yeah, oh, it's layers. Yeah, it's brilliant. Okay, right. And the white suit. Mm. The white suit tells it for you. Oh man! Um, have you ever tried a white suit or a light coloured suit? I wore a white suit before. You didn't actually. For my confirmation. Oh no! Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. The, the only time you ever looked in. And a pair of spats. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> spat! I couldn't get a trilby to fit me because I'm only twelve. Uh, I need, I need some help here. And Sam McGuire's asked a question. Sam says, "What do you recommend for man flu?" And maybe you can or you can't notice, but I'm dying slowly in front of you all here. What do you recommend as a quick fix for man flu? Any sheds? It's, it's not only really loving to be honest. There's nothing better than loving after man flu. Okay, right, right, right. right. So Thirty seconds of loving equals man flu. <laughs> Brilliant and no pressure at all. Uh, next question is uh, from Gray, and Gray asks Ryan, "What is more annoying when you're at the football, the fat lad with the drum or the twat blowing a horn?" Um, is it? I presume this is like the English, you know, brass band. I guess so. One of those. One of those. Because <clears throat> you know the Germans and the Turks, they can bang the shit out of a drum, and it sounds great. And um. Will it not irritate the although, piss out of Although Manolo gets a moinet. Yeah, you know what? You know, you know, you know, fucking Manolo, the Spanish drummer lad, with no. his with his hat and his drum that he bangs all the time. No, is he a character I should know? Yeah, yeah, he's been like he's at every single Spanish game <laughs> ever. Okay. And they show they show him up in the in the stadium with his bass drum. I thought that was a Colombian guy. No, he was no, he wasn't he the board man. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was going by tits I, as well. No, <laughs> I do think. I think uh, it has to be the horns because when you're watching a match, the last thing you want to hear is like. And you will. You're yeah, going to hear it all. Like, and what's they're sponsored one? now as well, aren't they? Yeah. Are they? Yeah, but you get it like in a boom, boom, and if you get it proper, like you know, uh, yeah, drum is much better. That plus Haji plus England playing <laughs> hodgeball. That's 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 pretty hard. Also, would be so bad if had that old do 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 do. I didn't hold crow in charge. Do that. The hunt. The hunt would be brilliant at the start of a match. What's this? Uh, oh, I like him, Audi. I like it. Counter attack or something like that. <laughs> I think they do that in ice hockey or something, don't they? I think they do. Uh, right, Neb is asking us next one. He asks us. Um, he says, "I sometimes wonder what makes dumb people dumb. Does anyone have any insight as to how they got that way? Does it does it evolve? Do, can you become more dumb over a period of time? Do you think? Yeah." You you think so? Um, no joke. Yeah, I think you can. If you watch enough of certain TV shows, I think you can definitely. <laughs> you can feel. No, I'm not even being funny. Like I've genuinely, I have definitely felt a period in my life where I'm like, I'm actually getting a bit fucking ticker here watching this. Yeah. And I've actually I proofread you know as a job, and I've, my spelling has gone worse since I've started proofreading. And I actually I'm oh kind exposure of, to I'm afraid that I'm developing dyslexia. And that is a, no, that is a genuine shout because I have lately I got called out by the grammar police on Twitter for like thirty thousand plus tweets uh, followers, and I was like, oh my god, I can't believe. It. And it was it was me plugging my article, and I got called out by the grammar police. So I actually am a bit concerned that I'm getting too overexposed to proofreading. Me. That's some nice insight there. The grammar police tweet me every day, so I, I don't mind that. But I always thought basically, if you if you're looking around the room and you're trying to figure out who the dumb person is, it's probably you. <laughs> is that because the room is empty mode? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm probably looking at a mirror right. Uh, Alex, do you have a video conversation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, where, where do you stand this whole idea of get a growing dumber, Alex? Do you think it's a possibility, or do you think you're just born with it? Depend, depends on where you live. Uh, oh yeah. In Austria. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. No, uh, I think uh, that was spot on. I think if you like, do yeah. The question, I can only agree. Um, if you like watch a lot of dumb television shows, you someday you wake up and think like, uh, what happened? So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. but, I tell you, it is. I don't really have a scientific answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you're watching too much shit TV, fellas. Yeah. Uh, Alex, last question then to you. Which would you rather do? Another uh, horrible, horrible choice for you. Try to uh, get the world record for bee covering, which I presume means 
literally covering them up. Uh, Or uh, eat a pair of uh, Hodgie's jocks after a day in the jungle. (laughs) So basically, basically, you've got some sweaty Hodgie jocks that you can you know just eat, chow down or or you try to cover the maximum amount of bees in world record history I'm a bee man I'm a bee man, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> a bee <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah that's it's simple I, I can't do the sweaty <laughs> no, no I don't even want to touch that yet okay and I, I would still hope that if I don't move the, the bees wouldn't like really recognize that they're sitting on me so <laughs> Strategy, it's I love Wumba, it. Uh, I take the bees. Okay, excellent. Thanks a lot. How could you take the bees, lads? <laughs> <laughs> right, lads, that's brilliant. Thanks a lot. Okay, lastly, some admin then. A big shout out to Astro Park as ever. If you want to play five or seven side football, get onto them and book your game on www.astropark.ie. I cannot stress how good in a trippery way the World Cup previews which have been published on the website are. We've got a couple more to go before the big kickoff on Thursday, including one from me. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about Group G. We've had some great articles also in from our new and existing writers over the past week with more content, so please keep coming to the site and reading what you can see there. Uh, lastly, we aren't going to record a pod next week as it's World Cup week and some of us aren't even in the country. So we are going to issue instead a best of listeners questions compilation from the past season. So get your requests in and we'll put as many as you can request in. Finally, your day trippers tonight were Ryan McTurnan, Alex Cashier, Molly, Phil Casey and myself, Trev Denny. Obrigado. Hello. Hello. Yes. Can you yes. hear us? Jerome? Yes, can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can hear you. <laughs> no, we give over messing your bollocks here. <laughs> Jerome, we're trying... Hang on, we try again, Jerome. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Sports Social Podcast Network.